Make sure to give my dad a five-star review. Get, make sure to like and subscribe to his YouTube. And thank you for listening and enjoy the show. show. <laughs> what happened is Jesus elevated his own kingdom, um, which wasn't of this world, above, above the uh, above the kingdom, the kingdoms of this world. And uh, there is something deep that happened to both these disciples where they actually, these individuals set aside their political ideologies and focused and were actually united under a different ideology, a different mission. And that was what um, the mission of Jesus. Hey, Faithful Politics listeners, welcome. Um, we're back from hiatus, um, and I'm I'm Will. I'm your politics host. It's been so long since we've done this, I've almost kind of forgotten how, um, how we do these things. Um, and I'm joined by my wonderful, faithful co-host, Josh Bertram. How's it going, Josh? It's going well, man. It's going well. The world's falling apart, but... We're still yeah, here. I was really I was really concerned in our break that maybe we wouldn't um, have anything to really talk about, you know, because figured the election was over, you know, um, and uh, it would just be like totally quiet and totally peaceful, and that that was not the case. Trump never disappoints when it comes to drama, huh? This is this is true. Yeah, like I I. I I have a I have a brother in law who who told me back in 2016 that he was going to vote for Trump because he would be the more exciting pick. The, well, he was correct. <laughs> and, and, Did you uh, vote for Trump this year? Did you yeah, um, I don't know. I've really I've really spoke spoken with with him because you know just like just like with most families, Trump has uh, divided us all. Mm. Um, <laughs> but, no, I'm I, I'm I'm sure he did, and I'm I'm sure that um, he's he's handling the the defeat of of Trump really well. So, um, yeah. So so, anyways, the uh, we have a pretty awesome um, season of faithful politics this year. Um, we've got some pretty fantastic guests lined up. Um, we were actually on on hiatus for holidays just because I think that both you and I could just use some time to spend with our families and you know try to try to not get infected with covid yes um, and uh so did you uh did you have a good holiday? I accomplished both of those things, and I was also waiting with bated breath to get back on here and just uh I don't know. It's been a crazy few months, hasn't it? Yeah. When we did our last show in um, December 5th, we were averaging about like 2,300 COVID deaths a day. Um, and now, you know, about a month later, we're seeing about 4,000 COVID deaths a day, which is just cray cray. Um, and there was a total of 280,000 um, total deaths in the U.S. and now we're we're at like three seventy five, um, which is I don't know. It's 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 just too big of a number for me to really kind of wrap my head around. You know, it's it's just like I don't know. I mean, hopefully Biden and his crew will 
will do something, you know, assuming that he, you know, gets sworn in on the 20th. <laughs> and they don't they don't they don't find more mystery votes um well, you know. they've already found all the mystery votes dude <laughs> this, the question true. is will people hear the evidence yeah yeah but yeah so so there was a um there was a a rally i don't know if you you heard this um last last week on wednesday I january 6th was yeah. it the uh, not what, what what rally was it? It was uh, Save the Whales. <laughs> it was it was it was yes, uh, Save the Narwhal. Um, save the Save the Whale of our President. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, you know, I, I I guess depending on on what news source you you use or what what information like however your your media literacy is um it's it's been called a couple different things it's been called stop the steel rally or save save america rally um and basically it was for for some of our international listeners that may not have heard about it um it was on january 6th um where there was a pro trump stop the steel rally in dc you may have an antifa Stop the steel rally, right? That's true. Yeah, I, 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 I'm really showing my biases there by not by not including them. <laughs> and we are uh, all inclusive, my dude. Yeah, they were they were there to protest um, what they believe was a stolen election. Um, and um, short shortly after that, Trump. So so there's a whole bunch of people that were speaking, like Linwood and Rudy Giuliani, um, Don Jr. and and a whole bunch of other characters. Um, they were there speaking about, you know, the steel being or the vote being stolen and yes. so on and so forth. And and sh- shortly after Trump finished speaking, um, the thousand or so people that were in attendance, um, they they started marching towards the Capitol. How many people were in attendance? They were, I mean, there was quite a few. Um, you said a thousand or so? I'd say, yeah. I'd, I'd say just as many people as there are probably National Guard troops there right now, um, if not more. Uh, which so there's, there's thousands like, of people. Yeah, Maybe thousands. thousands. Gotcha. Yeah. You said a thousand. I was like, no, it seems like there would be more than that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there, there's probably tens, tens of thousands, um, and they all – they all started marching towards the Capitol um, down uh, Constitution Boulevard. And if you've never been to D.C. before, so like the the location where the rally took place, it was in a place called the Ellipse. It's uh, it's about just south of the South Lawn um, of the White House. Um, and they would have had to travel east um, down to the Capitol, probably about a mile or two, maybe. Um, and uh, I mean, it's a it's a beautiful walk. I've done it uh, when I've gone to D.C. multiple times. So. Um, so they all started heading down towards towards the Capitol. And what started as a peaceful protest um, eventually turned violent. The protesters stormed the Capitol in an act of insurrection and attempted coup. And this led to like the swift and focused impeachment of the president. So the president got impeached again. Wow. Nice. <laughs> well, the old double peach, man. Yeah, double. that floating around. Georgia, what a peach, Georgia. <laughs> yeah, so, Derek, you could call it. You could call it a that that they were thinking that Congress was being in coup operative. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, and 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 he uh, is just a Georgia peach, just a Georgia peach. <laughs> Are we you know, allowed to make fun of this? I hope not. Um, We're not going to be charged with insurrection, are we? I don't think so. It's sedition. It's sedition, dude. Get it right. Do you do you know do you know what the definition of sedition is? I know it's less than insurrection. <laughs> Legally. <laughs> That's all it's easier to prove. That's all I know. Yeah, so so the definition of sedition is it's a conduct or speech inciting people to rebel against the authority of a state or monarch. And a insurrection is a violent uprising against an authority or government now a coup so is uh trump a state or a monarch wait they weren't rising against him yeah yeah and uh and a coup is a it's a sudden violent and illegal seizure of power from a government um which you know i would i would probably i would probably say the the folks there were actually staging a a coup really so so that is kind of the, the thing, right? You you wonder how many people were just like caught up in the moment, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I I read this article in the Wall Street Journal where the guy was like, yeah, I just wanted to go to Congress and like talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, from, I don't know where they're from. I think they're from Virginia. And, you know, I grew up around D.C. I grew up in Northern Virginia my whole life and, you know, in the D.C. area my whole life till I moved out in college. And um, I just, it never occurred to me that I could just walk in and just talk to Congress. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I, I mean, I didn't even know that, like, I mean, I guess I always just assumed that was illegal mm-hmm. um, to just kind of like interrupt the session of Congress so I could like reason with them. But yeah, it, it's kind of interesting, you know, because you get this idea of like, oh, it's the people's house and it's the people's you know, Congress, but then it's like, yeah, but you can't really like go in there and like get on the floor and start debating, you know? Yeah. It's like, it's like the, the money in the treasury is the people's money, but it doesn't (laughs) mean I can just walk in there and start grabbing like bars of gold, you know? I just want my fair share. Yeah. I just, you know, like, Hey, don't, don't worry about sending me a refund check this year. I'm just going to pick it up myself. Um, I think this, this pilot, cash on this pallet is mine so i'm just gonna go ahead and grab that hey do you have a do you have a floor jack anybody have a floor jack <laughs> you know like hey, I'm just... the government could just start printing a bunch of money right oh wait yeah i think they i think they already do that <laughs> what, what's what's kind of funny is is um um i know i'm digressing a little bit but um with regard to to a coup so um i know that i've been i've been working on some different show titles um for the show and, and if you're listening to this you'll 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 know which, which title we eventually ended up on, but you know, that there's, there's a couple I wrote down and a couple that, that you gave me. So I'm going to, I'm going to run a couple through, uh, to you. So, uh, so number one, um, it takes coup to make a thing go right. Um, <laughs> that's, uh, if you're a raw base, um, fan, you'll, you'll get that one. Or, uh, uh, two live coup. Two mm-hmm. live coup. Yeah. Um, one flew over the cuckoo nest. That, I like that one. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of leaning that one. Uh, knock knock. Who's there? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, and cuckoo uh, kachu. Um, okay. If, okay. Um, how about who you gonna call? 
Sedition. <laughs> um, then there was funny, but I don't think it'll work. <laughs> uh, then there's a Ku Klux Klan. Ooh. Um, then there was um, who knows what can happen. Who knows? Um, <laughs> and I and and I, I think that this one was was yours. Can't we all just cooperate? <laughs> uh, I thought that was good. Um, and uh, cancel Kucher. Yes. <laughs> so, They're all very good. I like Yeah. Them. I don't I know. I think the most controversial would be Ku Klux Klan. Yeah. Plus, it's, it's kind of a mouthful. Yeah. It would be controversial, but maybe that's good. I don't know. You no. That uh, might get a few QAnon supporters on there. Well, anyways, going going back to um, sort of the, the riots, um, insurrection on the, on the 6th, you know, there, there's – there hasn't been any shortage oh, of, dude. of blame. Hmm. How about coup anon? Hmm. How do we not think of that? Yeah, <laughs> very, very good. Yeah, I may have to write that coup one down. Coup anon. That's yeah. Right. All right. So, uh, yeah, there's been no shortage of uh, blame going around for who kind of caused this. Actually, one of the um, organizers of the event, uh, Women for Trump, they they put out a statement um, on the day of the riots. They they said, um, unfortunately, for months, the left and the mainstream media told the American people that violence was an acceptable political tool. Mm. They were wrong. It is not. That, that's their quote. And the, and the Democrats came out with their own statement. They said, um, I'm rubber, you're glue. Whatever you say bounces off of me. And oh my gosh, is that a Confederate flag in the Capitol? That's what they said? No. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, did you, but did you see did you see the Confederate flag? That was, that I was did. Like, I'm white, so I don't think I can, I don't think I'm allowed to speak on this. Um, yeah, it, it's just a bad look. In, our, in, our, in our culture, I'm just not allowed to talk about it. Hmm. If I say anything about the uh, Confederate flag, I'm basically a racist, which we all know I'm probably a racist in a way. So. You might be. I don't know. What do you yeah. think about it? Um, I just think it's it's interesting that um, it's taken this long for the Confederate flag to make it into the Capitol because it hasn't really been there, and you know, since like <laughs> That's forever. <what> you <laughs> um, and and for for well, about time, guys. <laughs> and and for for a party that claims that we're the party of Lincoln, I'd be curious to see how he would feel about that. Um, <laughs> you know, because you know, and 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 to. Yeah, that's to, true. To to sort of follow up on some of the you know statements, a lot of people say that you know this is the first time that um, the Capitol's been breached um, or stormed since like eighteen twelve or eighteen fourteen or something like that. That's that's not actually accurate. Um, there there's been a number of times when people have um, stormed, maybe not necessarily in a mob, but but there have been attacks um, within the Capitol, um, even right. within. Within the 20th century, I mean, like in 1954, there was an attack by a like a Puerto Rican nationalist um, who went into the chamber and started opening fire um, and like wounded five Congress people. And mm. even as recent as 1998, there was an attack where personnel was armed, um, stormed past a Capitol security checkpoint and, and killed a Capitol police officer. It, it is the first time where basically a large mob um, came in. And stormed the capital um, back, kind of in the War of eighteen twelve, when the British invaded 
um, DC, but I just wanted to, to clarify some of those points um, and, you know, just kind of set the record straight. Now, now, as, as I mentioned earlier, that there was a call um, to impeach the president, of which they did. President Trump's the first president to be impeached twice. So help us all understand the difference between impeachment, like what impeachment is versus like that's not conviction, right? I think we all know that, but impeachment is what? Impeachment is basically it's it's a it's a political process that starts in the House, actually starts in like the the House Judiciary, and then um, it's it's a it's a stain on his record. The conviction. Um, comes through the Senate, which has, which as of the time of taping this podcast hasn't occurred yet. Um, in the conviction, they can uh, vote to remove him. And then on a separate vote, uh, well, actually they can vote to remove him, which has to be a two thirds. Um, so like 67 senators um, to remove him. They can also bar him from running again, um, which, which can happen through a simple majority. So which the Democrats have right now. Those are two separate things. Yeah, yeah, two two separate things, two separate votes. So basically, he's going to be barred from running again. Yeah, and and there's a whole bunch of other um, like caveats to that as well. I mean, number one, like this has never been tried before, um, especially when a president is out of office. So, <laughs> so the the Congress, the 117th Congress, the newly sworn in Congress, is the one that's actually doing all this, uh, where the Democrats have a majority and. Um, they, in the America's history, they've never convicted a president that wasn't sitting. Um, actually, they never convicted a president that was sitting. So, so to to do both would be fairly unprecedented, and will probably have its fair share of legal challenges. Which I, you know, like if you've been following the news, there's a lot of talk about like, well, what about a Biden's agenda? Which it, like, this process really could actually, you know, kind of put a put a put the brakes on Biden's agenda. So yeah, man, I mean, I want my $1,400 that I'm owed. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Or I'm going to walk down into the treasury department, <laughs> go grab I'm it myself go and debate this in Congress myself. <laughs> That's right. And <laughs> storm the Capitol. Uh, we are not going to storm the Capitol. <laughs> yeah, please, please, please don't censor this me. This is all joking. There's so much <laughs> joking going on here. Please don't yeah. be offended. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, Josh Bertram here, faithful host of the Faithful Politics Podcast. I want to let you know about a compelling new spinoff, the Faith Roundtable, where I'll be interviewing top faith leaders, theologians, and scholars to unpack the pressing issues that are shaping the church in America today. We'll dive into topics like faith and public life, social justice, and how we can engage our communities more effectively. Make sure you don't miss any of our enlightening conversations by subscribing to it on our YouTube channel. Join me at the Faith Roundtable, where deep discussion meets thoughtful insight. I know, but but you know, one one thing that I, I noticed though from from the riots down there, um, which I, I don't know about you, but th- there were a ton of people carrying like the jesus ichnus um fish the jesus flags um if you spend any time on the dark parts of social media you see a lot of people equating like qanon with um god um 
and talk about sort of like this divine, you know, entitlement um, of like Trump having to be in office. And since you're the resident pastor on the on the podcast, I'm, I'd be really interested to kind of hear what, what you what you think about all that. I, I feel very sad. You know, as I was thinking about this, our episode, what came to my mind was there's this scene in the Gospel of John. Um, it's it's the only place where we hear these words from Pilate. There, uh, the other Gospels, every Gospel mentions Pilate, basically the Roman official and governor of uh, of of that area, Judea, modern day like Jerusalem, Palestine, and um, that that area of the middle Middle East. He ruled over that place, and my guess is that at that time, that wasn't exactly a coveted position <laughs> to be there in Jerusalem mm-hmm. and uh, in that area um, because there was so much um, insurrection. Um, there was so much political... The, the, the Jewish people and the Jewish nation was known for its political movements, that would attempt to overthrow um, the powers that were in, that were occupying mm. their uh, their their you know holy land, their homeland, um, and so uh, even even among Jesus' own disciples, you have uh, one person, one of the disciples, is a, is a zealot, and um, and a zealot was uh, was someone who was a serious, uh, they were a political um, dissident that essentially um, wanted to wanted to overthrow the Roman government. Hmm. I mean, that's what they were. Simon, who was called a zealot, and you can see a record of that, Luke 6.15, um, records that and um and then they another was matthew actually luke six fifteen says matthew and thomas and james son of alphaeus and simon who's called zealot um and matthew was a tax collector which essentially meant he was a roman he he, he was in he was in bed with the romans he collected taxes from his own people uh he got wealthy off them and then gave um, often there was extortion involved and uh, collected taxes for the Romans. And so tax collectors were hated. That's why you'll see things like um, sinners and tax collectors. You know, mm-hmm. and Jesus called this tax collector to be a part of his inner circle and the zealot. And uh, those, those were like the Democrats and the Republicans times, like times 12. Mm-hmm. It'll be like alt-right like it was be like getting the Proud Boys and, and Antifa into a room and just saying, guys, you guys just, and even more, but you guys just, can't we just get along, you guys? And what happened is Jesus elevated his own kingdom, um, which wasn't of this world, above, above, the, uh, above the, kingdom, the kingdoms of this world. And uh, there was something deep that happened to both these disciples where they actually, these individuals, set aside their political ideologies and focused and were actually united 
under a different ideology, a different mission. And that was what um, the mission of Jesus. You know, when Jesus is having this interview, going back to John, the Gospel of John, when he's in this interview, Pilate, who's there, this Roman official with great power, is interviewing him, not, uh, you know, more interrogating him, wasn't an interview, um, interrogating him. And, uh, and he says, like, you're a king. And Jesus says, you know, he doesn't deny that he's the king. And like, they call you king of the Jews, which, of course, if you're the king of the Jews, you're going to get, if you got that title and wasn't given to you by the emperor, you're basically dead. And um, he says, basically, Jesus responds, like, if my kingdom were of this world, my people would have already come in, essentially, and done a coup and taken over and gotten me out of here. And then he ends up being executed. And of course, Christians believe, you know, that was part of God's plan. And he rose from the dead three days later after that, after his execution under the hands of Pilate, given by his own people and their ruling officials. And so you have an example of, uh, of uh, Jesus who, you know, he could have at any point um, brought a material, a material and military insurrection, coup, and violent uprising against the Roman government, and yet he didn't. Um, and the Roman government was an evil government in many ways, um, far more than the quote unquote left. Um, if you can even say evil, that's like such a such a term. Um, and, and I'm not saying that, that, that the left is quote-unquote evil. Um, there are certain things that I very, uh, very deeply disagree with and policies and, and ideas and philosophies that would be considered left in our culture. But, but my point is that the Roman government was far more uh, violent, oppressive, um, and far more... Um, uh, sinful, uh, according to the, the standards of, of, of what Jesus at the time and the Jewish people held, far more sinful in every area than anything we have now. Not that it couldn't get there. I'm not saying that. Not that there aren't similarities, but it was a very, a, a deeply contrary form of government to what the Jewish people at the time wanted, desired, most of them, you know, the people. And they fully expected Jesus to do an insurrection. They fully expected him, which they wouldn't consider an insurrection, right? They would just consider this is like, this is the true king, just taking his rightful place. And his followers fully expected him to do that. And yet he didn't. Now, can I, can I ask you a, a controversial question? Yeah. Um, if, if we were to, you know, kind of play out the... Jesus story with with Pilate in today's narrative could you foresee say Trump being the Barabbas character and um, who who do you think um, you know a lot of these Christian nationalists would choose <laughs> like if if presented with sort of a a softer grace-filled you know Jesus on one hand and then you know the modern day Barabbas, or I'm not even sure if I'm saying that right. Um, yeah. On the on the other hand, so I, I don't know if you can answer that and and even explain kind of like who who Barabbas Barabbas like who he was. Essentially, Barabbas was another prisoner 
His name, his name was actually Jesus Barabbas. Hmm. Jesus was a pretty common name. But um, he was a uh, an insurrectionist. Um, hmm. And uh, someone that was a political prisoner that was essentially going to be executed. See, Rome, um, they executed uh, political prisoners by crucifixion. You know, we're going to charge the people that went in there with sedition. If it was in Rome, this is one key difference. They would they would crucify them, and they'd probably take them and crucify them down Pennsylvania Avenue and put them on either side, and not just take a few, take as many as they possibly could. And every single one of them that was in any way a part of it, they would torture to get information about who else was a part of it, and then they'd crucify them, and they'd put their bodies, um, as they're still living, on either side of Pennsylvania Avenue, all the way down, hundreds of bodies, maybe thousands of people crucified, some dying, some living, some still living, struggling to stay alive for days while they starve to death, they become dehydrated, and, um, and, they, and they basically struggle so much to breathe under the pain of trying to lift themselves up on the cross to which their uh, limbs are nailed that they, would, um, that they would eventually give up and die of asphyxiation or, or exposure to the elements. So that's what would happen if it was a true comparison, that's what would have happened and what happened now. So if we lived in those times, essentially, we wouldn't be charging anyone with sedition and giving them civil procedure and, you know, <laughs> guaranteeing them certain rights. They essentially would have gone in and taken anyone with any kind of attachment to it at all and crucified them. Why? you know, that obviously I can't guarantee that would have happened. But that's the kind of thing they did in Jerusalem. And, and, and that's what they did in, in, to insurrectionists. There are stories of the Romans taking thousands and thousands of Jewish people when the Jewish nation rose and their people rose against Rome. They came in, they destroyed Rome. I mean, they destroyed Jerusalem and they crucified people all down these major highways. Um, so anyone coming in um, would basically see the rotting bodies and suffering bodies of people as an example, as they came in. But, but Barabbas, if, if I recall, he was, he basically Pontius Pilate gave the Jewish people a choice. A choice yes. And they were both insurrectionists and they chose Barabbas. So to your, and they crucified Jesus. So Jesus was crucified as a political dissident. He was crucified as someone who was charged with um, insurrection. And Got it. so, um, that's what they use crucifixion for because they're a lot more um, cheaper and uh, more efficient ways to kill people, like cutting off their heads, <laughs> something like that. Um, sorry to be so, you know, but that's just the reality. So, yeah. um, but, but the crucifixion was chosen because of its horror, because of its, because of its um, efficacy in sending a message hmm. to people. So um, my answer to your question, I had the little history lesson side of it, but <laughs> my answer to your question is that I think they absolutely would have chosen, um, if Trump's Barabbas, they would choose Trump over Jesus because um, crowds, that's what the crowd did. And once someone doesn't, um, you know, once they're not rising up in some kind of 
material and physical way against this government, then they're, they, they're, they want to move on to someone else. That's kind of the crowd mentality, you know. Hmm. Maybe as individuals, they would choose Jesus, you know what I mean? But as a crowd, I think once there are crowds that they begin to choose differently according to crowd psychology. And I don't totally understand it, but that's my thought. Wow, yeah, because I know that I, you know, watching the demonstrators out there and, you know, them kind of waving their flags, I just thought, you know, it just seemed like such a um, misrepresentation of, you know, kind of, kind of the faith that, that I'm aware of and, and, um, you know, just, just like people. And, and I, and I, I don't know if any of those people carrying the flags were some of the ones that entered the, the Capitol building or not, but, right. um, but just kind of the association, you know, of the two. And, and there, there's a, there's a really good article. I'd, I'd recommend everybody out there reading from the dispatch from uh, David French, um, where he talks about, you know, the Christian nationalists. Um, and he, he kind of makes an argument that, you know, the, the, the church really kind of has a, has a big part to play in, in, in dispelling, you know, kind of this movement because only, you know, Christians are, are, are probably better equipped um, and better served by, by weeding out Christian nationalists, you know, than say non-Christians um, just because, you know, like if, if we have non-Christians try to tackle a Christian problem, there may be a lot of, what's the word I'm looking for? Like disagreement on how to handle it because Christians will, will generally try to resolve problems using the Bible and, you know, Christian language and, and, uh, uh, you know, versus kind of just a full, full blown censorship on the, on the religion as a whole, uh, which, which kind of brings us to our, 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 our last section. And, and that's, that's just about censorship and kind of this cancel culture. So I don't, I don't know if, if you've been following or not, but it seems like the tech community is really um, working hard to try to silence a lot of the voices kind of in this, in this yes. Trump, Trump movement. And, and I, I don't know about you. I mean, I, I've got my own biases and my own views about Trump, but I do think that there's something to be said about quelling the voices of millions of people <laughs> and and like and I, I i i did i did a little uh research myself where i sort of i logged into parlor back when they were still around and and i would screenshot stuff and i would just see the most vile stuff just on there mm-hmm. and for a while there i just thought okay like like i'd be okay if parlor were gone because the majority of the stuff i'm reading just seems like it shouldn't be shouldn't be there and 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 it's an environment um that makes it easier for people to become radicalized so to speak now i don't think every single trump supporter like feels like they need to commit acts of violence or assassinations or anything like that and i would argue that you know probably 90 percent of those in the trump movement actually really feel like you know he he was an arbiter of good and he brought about some good policies and got judges and, you know, like very conservative type of um, political wins for them. It's just a small fraction of people that are really kind of saying this stuff. And I, you know, just be, being in management, like I, I've never been one to sort of punish everybody for the mistakes of, of a few, you know, <laughs> and it would, it would seem like some smart computer person out there could figure out an algorithm you know, that when certain combinations of words are used in, in, 
uh, in a sentence that it wouldn't be allowed to be posted, you know? Yeah. Um, and because uh, I know like, like even just with this podcast, like sometimes we'll, we'll try to boost podcasts um, and, and Facebook and it won't allow us to boost it probably because it has like choice words in it. You know, like I interviewed a person that um, did work in Ukraine and I've been trying to boost that, but it won't let you because it has the word Ukraine in it. You know, and I'm like, I'm like, what do you like, like hey, what's going on here? Yeah, like the entire podcast was about misinformation, you know, like I would think this would be something that you would allow me to and I'm paying for, you know, um, yes. but, um, so I, I, I don't know, like, what, 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 what do you think about all this censorship and this sort of like cancel culture um, kind of environment we're in now? Well, I'm not a fan of cancel culture. And um, but I, I know that it's I know that it's a fine line. I mean, I typically lean on to the side of allowing free speech as much as possible. And of course, I think everyone would say that. Um, but I, like, I think about like, um, like, like, a, like a, for instance, like you coming into like the church, let's say we have church calls on Saturday nights. And if there's someone like on the church call and they're just like dropping the F-bomb every other, you know, word, and they're just saying like, I hate Jesus. And, you know, you guys are, you know, I hate you guys. Like if someone was saying that, I'd probably just like say, you know, I'd probably just kick them off, you know? And so like my sense of free speech has a limit depending on the context, you know what I mean? And I think it's the contextual, it's defining the contextual limitations of free speech that is so important uh, because, you know, does someone have a right to write something like I'm going to kill that effing B, you know, that Pelosi, whatever. And hopefully they don't, the algorithms don't come in and then they, uh, you know, I get quoted on something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully not. Did you hear what that pastor said? Um, context is everything. But like, if that happens, like, does someone have a right to say that? I mean, you know, I, I guess it depends on the context, right? Mm -hmm. um, in their home, yeah, um, I think so. I think that like on their own personal property, I mean, it, get, it goes deep into so many different you know, rights and all of our rights, you know, they, we live in a community, so there, there, there's no clean, pure rights, you know, they all are contextualized and, and given limitations in certain places. I don't like to cancel culture, a lot of it, because I feel a lot of sympathy for a lot of, uh, a lot of the, uh, you know, policies or philosophies that feel like they're the target right now. Mm -hmm. Um, if I didn't feel that way, like maybe if I lived, you know, a few years, I mean, I think the cancel culture has always been around in some sense. It's just which voices have been canceled. And so to feel like my voice could potentially be canceled is disconcerting. Um, at the same time, I know that many people have felt that, you know, in the past. And, um, and my guess, like if someone, I think in that article you mentioned, if you mentioned by David French, which, you know, I think is, was really brilliant when he's talking about giving the example, if it was a crowd of Muslims uh, and we had, the, you know, our podcast with my friend Omar, a Muslim, like Islam in America and being a Muslim in America, which was very enlightening for me hearing his perspective. 
But if if uh, if it was a crowd of Muslims and they were carrying like an Islamic flag uh-huh. into the capital, I think that uh, the same people that might be defending what happened or they're okay with it, they would be like out of control, angry. It's a difficult one that 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 I think really deserves to kind of be looked at a little bit carefully because on one side you are silencing voices um, kind of on a mass scale. And then on a second side, you are also telling private companies what they can and can't do, you know, and, and I've, 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 I've always kind of been of the mindset that if you allow a platform that has billions of people on it, there is some level of responsibility that you you do take on whether it was intended or not, you know, like I'm sure that their, you know, revenue model probably strives to get as many users as they can. But, but I do think that they should be better at, um, you know, what they choose to censor and what they choose not to. And, and, and especially like having, having the same kind of rules, um, across the board. I mean, the, 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 the one voice kind of in this whole censorship thing that really kind of, um, struck me, when they came out um, against the censorship, because I mean, there's like a lot of world leaders that are like, hey, yeah, like what Trump said, what Trump did is bad, you know, but silencing the voice, you know, any voice really doesn't really serve anybody. And uh, there's one individual, Alexei Navalny, um, if, if, uh, for, for those that don't know, he's, he's an opposition leader in Russia. Um, that has spoken very loudly out against um, Putin and as a result was uh, poisoned for it <laughs> like because that's just what they do there in Russia if you, if you don't like you know bow to the leader and and he he came out actually and and said and, I, and I'm going to read what he really wrote he wrote in my opinion the decision to ban Trump was based on emotions and political preferences. Don't tell me he was banned for violating Twitter rules. I get death threats here every day for many years, and Twitter doesn't ban anyone. Not that I ask for it. Um, and and I just thought that that was super powerful for me, especially someone that follows kind of the Russia and, and mm. how they kind of oppress voices there. You know, like, and this guy had just been poisoned. He had to be flown to a hospital in Germany, um, recovered from it, and now is back in Russia speaking kind of for the people, you know, like under the threat that he might get poisoned again, you know, and he was against kind of this censorship. And I just thought that was really, really powerful. On top of that, you know, kind of kind of changing gears a little bit, you know, I I do feel a little bit bad for Trump um, and even the Republican Party as a whole, but but specifically Trump, just because after the riots and protests, insurrection, whatever you want to call it, um, there's been just a flurry of um, organizations, companies that are coming out against him, both in the political capacity and um, like in his private capacity. I mean, I mean, he's had like, you know, um, not, notwithstanding all the social media platforms that have kind of censored him, but also like, you know, banks that are choosing not to give him loans like like Deutsche Bank. I mean, it's it's almost like if, if you are so bad that Deutsche Bank doesn't want to give you a loan, there's something wrong with you. And the reason that he had to go to Deutsche Bank is because um, he's considered kind of a financial liability in the financial world. And they hold, I think, like $400 million worth of his debt um, that they're calling for it to be due as soon as he leaves office. And the fact that a lot of his businesses are also being affected, like the PGA Tour has decided to, um, like pull 
uh, one of the one of their games to be played at um, at I, I forget Bedminster, I think it was. Um, even like the the British Golf Association was was choosing not to hold the British Open at his Turnberry Resort in Scotland, um, and the, and the list just kind of goes on and on and on about all these liabilities that he's going to have as soon as he steps out of office. And, you know, like part of me, like really kind of my heart goes out to him. Um, Although, you know, it's hard to argue that he's not somewhat culpable. It's really going to push him in in a really, really bad spot. Um, And who knows what, you know, what, what he'll do to, 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 to kind of move forward. So I, It's yeah. going to be interesting to see because the 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 next time we record this podcast, we will have a newly sworn in um, president, God willing, uh, yeah. and, uh, and there Trump won't be, <laughs> yeah, and there won't be any uh, there won't be any violence, hopefully, because apparently they're supposed to be staging another um, protest rally. There's like twenty at, as the time of recording this. There's twenty one thousand National Guard members in the Capitol. And from people that I know there, you know, they're basically like, you can't go anywhere, you know, without like having like either a press badge or, or some other kind of badge. And they're just telling people to stay home and it's, it's nothing. All the capitals and all the 50 states are uh, on high alert, FBI field offices and every single um, location there have been told, hey, just plan for, uh, like they're planning for war. That's basically what, what the memo that I read said, you know, that, there's going to be a full blown war that could occur. So, that's so crazy, dude. So, I, I, you know, I, I would say for our listeners, for our American listeners, you know, just be be safe out there. Uh, for our international listeners, you know, just keep us in your thoughts. Um, and um, yeah, and I think that's that's it. So, yeah. you know, I would say that uh, what what um, number one, I wasn't equating Trump with God, so all the People out there who are going to get offended when I said Trump allows. It was a joke. Yeah. <laughs> I just know that understand jokes. Maybe my humor is too dry. Wow. Um, the second thing is that uh, Macaulay Culkin or Culkin Macaulay, he came out um, in support of removing the Trump uh, oh, yeah. or whatever he did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's like bad. Th- things aren't going your well when when and that's yeah. crazy, dude. I don't know. Man. It's like just leave that stuff alone. Uh, yeah. That that to me, that's when it gets like this is this is crazy. Yeah, I know. It's yeah. Well, anyways, any uh, any final words before we uh, sign off? Um, just yeah, be safe, man, and pray for our country. Yeah, we'll do. And, uh, yep, and we will uh, talk to everybody next week. Bye. All right, bye-bye.